are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning. Hello, everyone up at the mills. Good to be with you this morning and uh, everyone worshiping here. I'm, uh, I'm glad to bring the message to you today. I've been anxiously looking forward to this. And so I want to just encourage you right from the start to be ready today at the end of our time together this morning as we gather around the communion elements. I really am expecting the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us personally. So please, I know every week you give full attention to the communicator, the speaker, but, uh, but, but this week especially I invite you to take close, pay close attention. In fact, what will help you if you do have a smartphone or a digital device to download the Riverside app and uh, you can follow along in the live event there, uh, the notes every Sunday, we put those up there. This month we're talking about hitting the reset button and uh, the, the idea of this sermon series came as I was thinking about those times when my computer gets stuck. Now, I have a Mac, so that happens very rarely. All you PC people, you can relate to this. It gets stuck, and you can't move. It just, it, you know, you have the spinning wheel that happens, or a beach ball that keeps turning, and, 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 and it gets locked up. I feel like there are times in our lives where we get stuck. We get locked up. We're just spinning our wheels and we can't get where we want to go. We know that God has a plan. We know that there's a better us that is out there that is waiting to emerge. But we just seem to be locked in our old way of living, our old way of thinking, our old way of acting. And so I thought, you know what? For we who are believers, Jesus has a, has a remedy for that has a remedy for that. My recurring nightmare, by the way, is I'm stuck and I can't move. Does anybody else have that recurring nightmare? It's like I want to get somewhere and I just can't, everything's thwarting me. Am I the neurotic one among us? I'm sure I am. But that's my recurring nightmare. Maybe this message is just for me. Next weekend, I am excited because it's going to be Mother's Day. Can't wait for Mother's Day. And we are blessed because we have one of Teresa and our good friends, uh, Sue Duffield's going to be with us. I, Sue Duffield, you don't know Sue, um, but, but trust me, she is a phenomenal communicator, a funny woman, but a great communicator. She's going to be sharing the word with us next Sunday morning. And also, she's going to be with the ladies on Saturday morning at Parkside. So up at the mills, if you've not been to one of our ladies' events or girlfriends' events, Great time to come and just come on Saturday morning, get some food, and, and uh, she's also a singer, she's a humorist, she's a great communicator. That's this Saturday morning, and then it's going to be Sunday morning with Sue here. The following week, we're going to talk about resetting our relationships. What do you do when you hit the wall in your relationships? How can you redefine that relationship? How do you reset that? And then Memorial Day weekend, we're going to reset our direction, and we're going to have baptism Both locations that Sunday, first time ever here in Oakmont, that we are going to have a baptism tank here. And if you've not been baptized since you've been a believer, I encourage you to sign up and be a part of that fun day together. Now, last week, Pastor David talked about letting Jesus reset your mind and your thoughts. And what I want to do today is follow that up by talking about resetting our ways, taking that what, what God wants to do in our head has to sink down into our hearts, but it needs to go further into our hands and our feet. And so, and so 
God wants us not only to have a change of mind, but to have our ways changed. Since Jesus comes into my life, when Jesus comes into my life, this is the theme, my ways are new. I'm a new person, the Bible says. Let me begin by telling you a story about this guy who dreamed that one day he was going to be happy. One day he was going to arrive. He was going to be the person that he always wanted to be. And he longed for that day because in that day he would no longer feel like he was less than everybody else. Anybody ever feel like you're not, you don't measure up to others? Well, that's how this guy felt. He always felt like he didn't measure up to to others. And he imagined a time when others would be looking up to him. When, when they would respect him. And it would happen when maybe he would have enough stuff that they would say, wow, he succeeded. It was a nice house. He lives comfortably. He, he, he thought, when I have the power to call the shots in my own life, then I'll be happy. Or when I see that they have to answer to me, that's when I know I'll be happy. So he set out to make it big, this guy did. And, and, and he succeeded. He became wealthy. He had a great job. He had status and position, and, and by the measure of all his peers in his profession, he was successful. And in fact, he was the most successful among his peers who did his job. They all looked to him as their chief, as their leader. But here's the thing. A funny thing happened on the way to his success, on the way to his feeling happy and good about himself. The closer he got to that happy destination, the more unhappy he felt the more unhappy he grew. Life wasn't turning out the way he expected it. And even though he he got the house, he had the job, he had the status and the career that he thought would make him feel good, he looked in the mirror and he said, "I, I don't like that person that I'm becoming. That's not the person that I thought I would be. I'm not proud of that person. And I wonder how many of us have ever done that. You ever get up and you look in the mirror? Of course, in the morning, nobody ever likes the way they look. But, but you look yourself in the mirror and you think to yourself, you know, I, I'm not proud of the person I'm becoming. I, I'm not the person that I thought I would be. There are some things in my life, there are some ways that have to change. So one day, this guy heard that Jesus was coming through town. Zach, that was his name. He knew that he needed to change, and he wanted to change, but he didn't believe that he could. He made his his comfortable and miserable bed, and so he had to sleep in it. He heard stories of how Jesus had touched the sick and opened blinded eyes and healed the lepers and cast out demons, but he thought to himself, but I, I don't have those kinds of problems I mean, my life has been successful. Why would Jesus want to help me? I I know that I'm a sellout. I know that I've betrayed my countrymen. I know that, that I'm a sinner. And I know that I've hurt many people. I'm just a lousy tax collector for for the Roman Empire. My only friends are my other sellout tax collectors. So you look in the mirror someday and you tell yourself that something has to change. And as soon as we do that, most of the time we hear another voice inside of us that says things like this, but you can't change. You're not good enough. You're just a product of your environment. You are who you are. 
You know, if, if only that thing didn't happen to you, then you could be different. If only this person didn't do this to you, then you could be the person you want to be. You're not, you, you, you don't think that you can change. Everybody, everybody does this. This is how God made me. These thoughts, they, they, the blame and the excuses start to drown out that still small voice that's inside of us that's telling you, you know, you're better than that. I made you better than that. You're not what those gremlin voices are, are telling you that you are. And so Zach, he decided he was going to go try to see Jesus when Jesus comes through town. The crowds were huge. Everyone wanted to see him. And so Zach climbed a tree. He was watching Jesus go by. And all of a sudden, Jesus looked up in the tree and saw Zach. And he said, Zach, hurry, come on down. I'm going to come to your house today. And in that moment, there was a switch that was flipped inside of Zach. Because Jesus saw something in Zach that before that encounter, Zach could not see when he was looking in the mirror. Zach invited Jesus into his home, but more importantly, he invited him into his heart. And you know what happened? Jesus' reputation was hurt that day because he was willing to associate with Zach. But you know what? Jesus doesn't really care about his reputation. He cares more about the Zachs. He cares more about the people who have ceased to believe that they can change. He cares more for those who think that they can never measure up than he cares about his own reputation. Frankly, Jesus believes in those who do not believe in themselves. How about you? How about you? Can you believe that Jesus can believe in you even when you don't believe in yourself? So, With faith in the one who had faith in him, Zach hit reset. He hit restart. And when that happened, he changed. His ways changed. Notice what it says in Luke 19. Zacchaeus stood up and he said, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to what? Seek and save the lost. A new heart and a new mind translates into new ways, new behavior. When Zach met Jesus, he started over. The old Zacchaeus was lost. He was a taker. He was a cheater. He was a traitor. But when he was found by Jesus, because Jesus found him looking up in the tree, Zacchaeus became a new man. And he turned into this giver, this truth teller, a person of integrity. When, when, when Zac met Jesus, Jesus gave him the opportunity to hit restart or to hit reset. And I want to know today how many of you are here and there are parts of your life There are places in you where you need to hit the reset button, where you need to start over. And that's what reset means. It means starting over with a clean slate. It means 
It means beginning anew without the corrupt files that have gotten downloaded into our hearts and into our souls. It's, it's being able to begin without the, the destructive viruses that infect our mind and our thoughts, without the broken code inside of us that keeps us stuck in place. So here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to imagine the new you. If Jesus gave you the opportunity to hit reset today and you could be the person that you would be proud to look at in the mirror, what would be different? What would be different for you? How would you feel differently? If you could be that person looking back at you without regret, without remorse, without shame, without, with, without the sense of not being able to measure up, not being accepted, love, forgiven. If you could look yourself in the mirror and say, I am on the road that God wants me to be on and I feel good about this. What would be different for you? And what would have to change? Now, change doesn't mean getting rid of everything because you already are a lot of who God wants you to be. You have a lot of strengths. You have a lot of great abilities. You have a lot of great character traits. You have a lot of things that that God has been doing in your life. So part of the change is making sure you strengthen those things that God has already been doing in your life. What do you need to do? to strengthen your good character, your good traits, to shore up those things. Those are, that's where you need to begin with where you have already been being, you're already being transformed. You know? What, what, what experiences, what, what, what passions has God given you? What are those things that you want to make sure the new you holds on to? When you look in the mirror, I, I definitely want to hold on to those things. But then what are the things that you hope that new person does not have? What do you need to leave behind in the old person? What are are those gremlins that keep you stuck? That keep you where you can't move forward? And when you think about that that image of the the new you looking back, and and the real you that's looking in the mirror... How big is the gap between the person that you know that you want to be and God wants you to be and the real person that you are? How big is that gap? Because when I hit reset, Jesus begins to help me close that gap in my life. Would you like to close that gap in your life? Would you like to be the better person? Really? Because I, I, I have to ask that question, really? Because it's so important that you have to want it. How valuable is that change? And, 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 and if it's valuable to you, what's holding you back? You see, because if you really want to change, you'll find a way. But if you don't want to change, you'll find every excuse why you can't. So, so I, want you to, I want you to ask yourself, do I really want that? And you'll never become who you really want to be if you're constantly blaming others for who you are. 
So what excuses and what blames are you willing to put aside so that you can start now with the person you are to get to be the person that you want to be? That's not to minimize the hurt and the pain and the things that have happened to you. No, you, nothing is going to... I'm not trying to say those things aren't real. What I'm trying to say is if you're ever going to move, you can't continue to blame who you are and use excuses for why you can't get there. Here's the real practical thing, and this is the text for the message today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24. Paul writes to the church there, he says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so I want to ask you the practical questions. How practically does a person change? How, how really does a, can, is change possible? How does a person change? If you're taking notes, I want you to write down these three things. First of all, number one, what we see here is, number one, change requires a partnership. Notice in the, verse that we just, in the verses that we just read, there are, there are three verbs there. Put off, be made new, and put on. Think about that. Put off, put on, be made new. Do you see there's a partnership in these verbs? What's God's part and what's your part? Our part is putting off and putting on, correct? Put off of yourselves. The verb there is in the middle voice, meaning you put it off of yourself and you clothe yourself. You take off the old person you, like your old clothes. You put on the new person like you clothe yourself with a new person. These are the aorist tense. It speaks of a moment in time that the action takes place, but that action might have lasting consequences or lasting effects. So Paul is saying that there comes a time in our life where we just need to make a choice. Are we going to put off and are we going to put on the new person? But here's the thing. It has to be a God thing too. Because it says, be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's the passive voice. So the action of being made new is really something outside of ourselves. And that's the miracle of God's grace. God gives us, as David preached about last week, a new mind when we come to Christ, we identify with Christ. We have a new way of thinking, but that new way of thinking and to truly change, it has to be a partnership between God changing our minds and us choosing to change our behavior. God resets our thoughts and attitudes. That's the miracle of grace. What this does not mean is that we are saved by our works, but what it does mean is that salvation works on our behavior. Salvation changes us. In fact, it says earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. That's the God part. By his grace, it says, you have been saved. It's an error. It happened in time. And for by grace, he goes on to say, you've been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. But then it goes on to say, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So grace changes you can't truly change without God's work of grace, but God can't change you against your will. Can I say that again? 
You can't be changed without a work of God's grace. But God's not going to change you against your will. And, and, and so change includes stopping and starting. Some people think, well, I've changed. I go to church now. And that's the change that God made in their life. Well, come on, folks. If you're not changing in your character, in your moral, in, in your morality, in your ethics, in your behavior, are you really changed? Does just going to church make you the different person you want to be? Is that the only reason you come? Notice he goes on in this passage in Ephesians talking about the moral and ethical applications of what true salvation looks like. Notice he goes on in verse 25. He says, stop telling lies and tell, their na- tell your neighbors the truth. For we're all part of the same body and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And if you're a thief, then quit stealing. I, like, I think it's just funny. So if you're a Christian and you're a thief, it's time to quit that, you know? <laughs> time to stop stealing, stop lying, stop cheating, stop. So, and, and use your hands for hard work. Then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember that he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind tender-hearted, forgiving, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So you notice this change happens when we stop certain things and we start other things. And if I put those in a, in, a, in a table for you, it's simply what you see. Stop telling lies, start telling the truth. Stop letting anger control you, start settling your disputes quickly. Stop stealing, start earning a living and giving generously. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit, start remembering you belong to God. Stop bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander. Start being kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. If you're saved, you're going to change. But that change happens intentionally. It will not happen against your will. God can change your will. You can help you change. But then you need to engage that will to be changed. Some people say, well, I keep praying for God to change me. Why doesn't he do that? And I just imagine God up there saying, I keep praying for you to want to change. When are you going to want to change? How sustainable is change, however? Because a lot of people have good starts and spurts. Any of us do that? Well, we tried and we failed. We can't try anymore. Richard Boyatzis is a professor at Case Western over in Ohio. And, and, and using research from over 30 years of these longitudinal studies of individual and organizational change, He has observed that most training programs to to help people change or organizations change have little results over time. Is that a surprise to any of us? In other words, he says the typical training programs have produced little change, or in other words, they have a honeymoon effect. They have immediate improvement, but within months, the improvement drops off greatly. So... Let's, let's take a look at, he's come up with what, what is called in the intentional change theory. That's, this is his, his 
uh, proven way when, when this is implemented, when he studied how change happens over time in organizations, the few that do change, the individuals, the organizations that do make lasting change, he says there are these five discoveries that they have to make. And, and I encourage you again to, to write these down or if they're in a live event to remember these. First discovery he says that you need, that these people need to make is that, that they need to believe that there's a better them. They, they, need, they need to see an ideal self. In other words, who do I really, really want to be? Unless you have an idea of who you really want to be, there's no motivation to change, correct? So if we're a broken person, if we're a broken organization, what does a healed person look like? What does a whole organization look like? So, so what's, who do I really want to be? And that's, I think for believers, the epiphany. That's the wake-up call. That's the moment in time when you, the Holy Spirit says to you, boom, that that you see in the mirror is not who I want you to be, nor who you want to be. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. And then the second discovery, he says, is you need to discover the real you. Now, who am I is the question you ask there. And not necessarily who are all the bad things that I am or what are all the bad things that I am, but what are my strengths? What are the things that, that, that I do have that can be used for good, that is being used for good? What are the ways in my life that, that are working for me and for God's good? And, but then you need to say, what are the gaps? Where are the gaps between that ideal self and the real self? And then the third discovery is a learning agenda and simply... How do I build on my strengths and reduce the gaps? What's the plan? That's the intentionality there, and it takes intentionality. So what, what am I going to do to become that person? And then the fourth discovery, he says, is you've got to experiment and practice. In other words, what new ways of living, what new behaviors will I try out? And what new habits will I form because my brain, the neurons in my brain, are, are on those same tracks that they've always been. And that the, it's the neurological pattern of your brain that gets stuck. That's the spinning wheel. That's the thing where I've always done it this way. My brain automatically goes that way. So what you need to do is try on other ways, experiment with other ways of living. And for those that have been, you know, uh, maybe uh, a person of any, any type of behavior that wants to be changed, whether it be an addiction or something, it's when you start to behave differently that it, you, you just don't, you feel out of place. It doesn't feel right to you not to get high. And you need to, you need to experiment you need to keep doing it. And as you build new habits and new behavior, you experiment new ways. Those pathways in your brain get rewired. And that's the cool thing about it. You can rewire the pathways in your brain by acting and behaving differently. So what new behaviors will I experiment with? Will I try on? And you need to take the risk to do those things and then the fifth discovery that Boyatz is in his research, okay, we're talking about secular research saying you need a support, supportive relationships. And, and so for you, for all of us, it's saying who can walk this new way with me? Because all the old relationships, they're going to enable you to go back to the old self. They're going to be surprised. They, they will not like the new you. 
And, and in ways, they will try. So who can be around me that can help me walk this out? So, so that's, that's Boyatz's intentional change theory. And, and in coaching, you help people work through those, those different discoveries in their lives. But you know what I found as I was looking at this and studying this? Isn't that what church is supposed to be for people? I mean, the church is a perfect place to foster change. Because we look to God's word, we understand. Here is the true righteousness and holiness that God wants for us. And the Holy Spirit gets in our side of hearts. Now I understand, here's the real me. And, and as the Holy Spirit points that out to me, I discover where the gaps are in my life. And I realize that I need to learn. So, so I get into a small group. I get myself surrounded by people. I, I make people who uh, uh, come around my life, I arrange in ways that I'm going to be around people that are on the same path that I'm on, and they're going to reinforce the change that I believe God wants to be in my life. And so for lasting true change in a person's life, I don't think there's anything better. And this is exactly what God has intended for, for people to change and true lasting change than the church. And that's what Riverside's all about, helping people find and follow Jesus. That's what the church is about and why we have all the different things that we do in terms of helping people is so that you can change into the person you want to be. But you need to be intentional about that. But see, here's the clincher for true change that Boyatzis leaves out in his theory, and that's discovery, what I call number six or maybe overlaying discoveries one through five, and that's the Holy Spirit. I think that's the power of the Holy Spirit makes those other things really come alive in a person's life. And you know what? Baptism and communion, let's get to this for a second, are really the sacred reminders that God has set in place to remind us of the ways that we change. In other words, baptism is our way of informing others that we are changed and we are wanting to change. It's, it's the public, it's the way that we say, I'm a new person, I'm letting you know that, I, my ways have changed, my ways are changing, I'm not the person I was that's buried under the water, I'm a new person because I now am I'm aligning my life and hiding my life in Christ, and I want to be like Christ. That baptism is a sacred event marking the change that God is making in your life. And then the other thing that Jesus said for us to do is communion. And communion reminds us that change is an ongoing process that is fueled and formed by Jesus living in us. John the Baptist, and, and, and you read in the Gospels when John was calling people to repent, to change their ways, you know, to, to, to come and get baptized out in the Jordan. And so the people, it resonated with the people. They knew that life wasn't the way it was supposed to be. So they're coming out to get baptized. And he's saying, you've got to repent. You've got to turn from your ways. And then, and then they asked in John chapter 3, the crowd said, well, then what should we do? In other words, what does that mean? And John the Baptist replied, if you have two shirts, it means giving one to the poor. If you have food, that means share with those that are hungry. Even tax, corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized. And they said, 
teacher, what should we do? And he said, collect no more than the government requires. What should we do? Said some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. In other words, there is no such thing as repentance without change. You can't say that you've repented if there is no change. Because that's what repentance means. I'm going to invite the servers here in Oakmont to prepare for our communion as we gather around and up at the mills as, as uh, you prepare to go to the corners in just a moment to receive your elements. Uh, and if the band up there and here would get in place. But, I, but I'm asking at this moment for all of us to just still our hearts and minds. If you would, I want to I wanna do a little exercise. The Bible says that when we take communion, we are to examine ourselves. Can we do that for just a moment? I, w- I want to invite us to do a little self-examination exercise. So would you just be so kind to close your eyes right now and uh, settle your heart. Take a deep breath. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you some questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself. It's just you're looking in the mirror. And I want to ask you to ask yourself, who do I really want to be? Ask yourself that. Who do I really want to be? You might, you might be saying, uh, I, I want to be free from regret, or I want to be, I, I, I don't want to have to hide anymore. I, I want to be healthy. I, I want to be emotionally, physically, spiritually at peace. I want to be at peace with God. I want to, I want to be at peace with myself. I want to be at peace with my spouse, my parents, my colleagues. I need to get some balance in my life. I need to make progress. Who, the question, who do I really want to be? Now I want you to look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and ask yourself the question, who is the real me? What, what, what's the stuff that I want to hold on to? What are the strengths that I want to... I, this is good. I'm, I'm not all bad. There's, God has been changing me already. There are some things that I know that I can do that is pleasing to God that I'm doing. I want to hold on to those things and make sure I don't let those go. But, but what's one thing that I need, to, I need to let go? I need to take off. So, in other words, you need to mind the gap. Mind the gap. See the gap between the real you, the, the you you want to be and the you that you are. Then you need to think, what, what's, what's something that I can try on? What can I begin to do differently? And I, and I know that I'm going to need help to do it, so who can help me in this? I know I need to pray and get the Holy Spirit to help me in this, but who can I get to support me in this? Who can I say, you know, I want to be this person? 
what friend, what family member, what small group. Maybe I need to get a follow coach because that's really, that's really going to be helpful if I can do that. So you examine yourself. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.